Jenna, do the thing. Hello, and welcome to Avatar The Last Korra. Today we're talking about Korra Book 2, Episodes 1 Book and two. 2. Um, and I'm re- I'm saying that so enthusiastically because I just need to pretend that I'm excited about this to get through it. Oh, know? I'm excited. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about in season two. Um, For sure. Shit gets weirder and bigger shit and less sense-making. Weird. Yeah. Um, we're also obviously talking about Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, yes. Do you want to start there? Because I-, I feel like these these two episodes, there's not like a crazy amount to talk about necessarily. Um, and then we can dig into Korra. Yeah. I hope we can dig in, into Korra. I, I actually feel like I have less to say about these first two episodes. Cause okay. I think that they're kind of okay in terms of setup, but we'll get there. Um, we'll let's talk there. about Bato of the Wata tribe. Yeah. So this is episode, uh, 15, I believe of season one of Avatar. Um, yeah, and we get we get a little uh, cultural learnings about this is the like, water tribe. Yeah, this is like just to sort of put a bow on this episode and like tell you what I what I think of it. This is like the episode where they were like, we have to bring up a bunch of these plot points that we set up at the end of like all these other episodes, mm-hmm. or else like they're never gonna come up again. So you've <laughs> got like the necklace in this episode. Um, the, the, you know, the herbalist from the, um, the sucking on frogs episode, the fortune tellers shows up in this one as well. So it's like this universe is cohesive. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it definitely feels a little bit like, look, they're all interacting with each other. They all exist outside of just like their one-off episodes even though they're yeah. still pretty much one-off characters but this is the one-off not one-off episode <laughs> yeah the one-off yes. continuity episode um, also this is a great episode because Sokka gets bar mitzvahed but like water tribe style and it's great Sokka gets bar mitzvahed Sokka gets bar mitzvahed Sokka gets bar mitzvahed <laughs> Love it. This is a beautiful ceremony. Um, <laughs> it's it's very interesting because like Ang deals with some like crazy jealousy in this episode. Um, yeah, but while, I kind of like, get it. Like he's never had like this kind of family unit before, and he's also been completely kicked out of a family before. And his whole family's been genocided. Yeah, so, like, I kind of get where he's coming from, but we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. So the episode starts, and Sokka's being all like, I'm a tracker, and he right. tracks he tracks everyone down to a boat, to a beach. and then a beach boat, and then they find in the beach boat, there's a guy named Bato, Bato in the beach boat. And he was, like, best friends with their dad. And they're like, OMG, Bato. It's Uncle Bato. Yeah. What's up? Um, and then they like, he's kind of nondescript like, as a character. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty bland, but he doesn't really, he's just there to, to be... be a male adult from the tribe. Right. Who Sokka can look up to and Aang can be like jealous of. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So, so like it, they do all of this, like really traditional water tribe stuff. Like they have like traditional food and all this stuff. And yeah. Ang's just kind of being a little. Ang feels out because he's it. a goy, and uh, <laughs> you know Sokka is getting bar mitzvahed. Yeah, so so it turns out there's this like rite of passage that water tribe boys are sort of supposed to go through, where they dodge the ice um, and like sort of learn to like captain a ship, basically, or like prove that they can captain a ship. Um, and Sokka missed out on it because all of the men in the village had left to go fight in the war. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's like based off of like really, really loosely based off of like some actual Native American or Inuit, uh, you know, indigenous, uh, ceremony of, uh, you know, growing up. Yeah. Initiation, initiation ritual. But like. It just becomes sort of like a generic, like, well, it's a thing they can do. Right. Sail a boat. I, I don't know. I, I think it works. Like, they put they put weight behind it, and they talk about sort of at, at the end, um, like, Sokka comes up with a good plan. We get to see that again. Also, we didn't mention it um, in the last episode where we talked about the fortune teller, um, but Sokka's the one who comes up with the plan to, like, save the village. 
uh, in that one. Yeah, so he's a plan maker. He's we're, he's the planner. He's sort is, of fi- yeah. finding that as his role. Right, um, especially since he can't do crazy bendy magic. <laughs> like yeah. he's gotta he's gotta do something. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like, you know, when when Katara and Aang are also both kind of ineffectual as benders, and he's kind of ineffectual as a warrior, they can all kind of share the leadership role. Right. Um, but at a certain point, you know, Sokka's got to contribute something, because everybody else is pulling their weight in bending. <laughs> right, so so they do this cool little scene where they um, dodge the... they Instead of dodging ice, they dodge, like, rocks um, on the shore in the boat, and... Um, meanwhile, right before this, they're, they're waiting for a message from their dad, basically. Um, and Aang intercepts this message and decides not to share it with them because he's really jealous and he doesn't want to lose them. Um, but after It's this a dick move. Of, it's a really it's dick a, move. It's a but dick But I do kind of get it. Yeah. I, but, like, he feels bad about it kind of instantly. And, like... It basically spends half the episode trying to cover up the fact that he did this, but then feels so guilty, especially because after this ritual, like, they're each sort of given, like, a, like, trait moniker. So, like, Sokka is given a symbol for, like, smarts and brains, and Katara is given one for bravery, um, and Aang is given... they want to give him one for trust and that he's a trusted and trustworthy. And he's like, I'm actually not. And like comes clean. He's like, I'm Um, out. But like, look, he, he like made a fucking mistake and then learned from it. Cora. (laughs) Like (laughs) ever heard of that instead of just being defensive. Well, Cora can't learn from a mistake in one episode because it's serialized. So she has to gradually change over the course of, an entire two seasons. She doesn't even learn from a mistake ever in like no. any of these episodes. She learns nope. nothing. It's so I can't. All right, I'll contain this. Um, there's also <laughs> a fun B plot in this episode. If you want to talk about that, while I it's control B plot, myself. Man. Yeah, it's um, it's a sheer shoe, which is like a like an anteater dog wolf that can smell people and their where they've been and where they're going and cool uh, goth GF Zuko uh, hires a Zuko hires a sheer shoe to go track down Aang yeah that's it that that's it there's a really cool fun fight sequence at the end um yeah after. it's one of the better fight scenes honestly this season I feel like oh for sure it's like definitely super well choreographed. It uses the the like landscape really well. They're in this sort of yeah. Um, they're at like an abbey, abbey where they're making perfumes. Yeah, and there's a well in the middle, and like the well fight is so good. It's like ten seconds long, but it's like such an iconic scene from Avatar. Yeah, and Zuko and Aang fight on a rooftop, and yeah. the Shearshu fights against Appa, and like sort of paralyzes him with its venom yeah, that it also has. Yeah, paralyzes people. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, Aang gets the Katara's necklace back, because that's how Zuko was tracking them. Um, and, you know, Sokka and Kantara, they forgive Aang for his mistrust, and they realize that Aang needs them as their, his family as well. Right. Um, they, they all um, I want to use style. my, like, one nitpick per episode real quick. Yeah, go for it. Um, there's, like, this thing where it's, they're tracking Katara, and so they track, like, Katara to some stuff, and then suddenly, like, the, the Shearshu smeller animal tracking animal just suddenly is like she's picked up another scent and then like suddenly is tracking ang yeah which doesn't make any sense i mean it smells the backpack or something which like presumably ang also wore maybe right but it's not tracking ang it's tracking katara right but then it finds katara so like right but then shouldn't it just stop why does it suddenly start know. tracking, like, oh, somebody else touched this? Like, what if she had touched, uh, what if she had touched something that Bato touched? Would they be tracking Bato? You know? Yeah, that's a good point. It just doesn't make any know. sense. It's my one it's, nitpick. It's the one nitpick. Um, it's pretty minor. 
my my one nitpick is uh, Uncle Iroh is turned into like a super lecherous old man in this one, uh, which like not totally out of character, but like he pretends to be paralyzed so he can like spoon an actually paralyzed woman, which is like not great. <laughs> he catches her. He does catch her, but then he just like spoons her. Which, yeah. again, it's not, not great. great. Um, but other than that, great episode, fun. I thought the Hillary. ending was really cute because it was like, um, Aang like, pulls out the necklace as like a big surprise. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> and the guitar's like, where'd you get it? And Aang's like, oh, Zuko just said that I had to give it to you. Yes, and she's like, oh, well, thank Zuko, darling, for... Or like, give him a kiss like for that. me. Yes! <laughs> and it's so clearly sarcastic, but all the Zutara shippers, like, fucking swooned. Zutara shippers? I'm pretty sure that's a Zang ship. I mean, I give mean, him a kiss a when you see him. <laughs> I mean, it's those, not gonna be Katara kissing him. Yeah. What what if that happened? What if the next time that uh, Aang saw Zuko, he just like gave him a little peck on the cheek? That would be great. Um, Let's remake the whole series just so that we can include that. Um, I'll do it. Let's let's write a petition to make them put it in the live action. Yeah, put it in the live action Netflix one. Yeah, put it in the live action. Oh God, I'm so nervous for that. I can't even talk about it. Why be nervous? I mean, I just think you know the show exists. Doesn't this show exists and it's great? It doesn't matter if they remake it and it's a bad remake. You know, we got this. This is good. I mean, that's very mature of you. It's I'm not like Korra, so which like ruins everything by like fucking over the the continuity and like changing yeah. all the rules of the universe yeah. retroactively. Well, we're, <laughs> we're not there yet. Um, let's talk about the deserter, and then we can start talking the, about Korra. The dessert. We'll talk about um, the dessert. So this is the one where Angler and firebending, except not really. <laughs> yeah, except not really, which I think is great. The it like it's great. just interesting to do like. Yeah, we're going to sort of touch on some things that are going to come back later. We're going to do some setup because this show is planned out. Yeah. So they set up the conflict that Aang is going to be afraid of firebending because when he first learns firebending, he burns Katara because he's too eager to show off and to learn how to firebend. Right. And and it's also a really great lesson for Aang who, like, you know, he's very kind of easygoing, like free-flowing, go go with the flow. He's an airbender. He's airy, breezy, what have you. Um, easy, breezy, beautiful. <laughs> easy, breezy, angleful. Um, but, so, so, like, this whole episode is all about how fire can be, it is, like, an inherently destructive force, and that you need control. Yeah, this and is what I loved about Avatar so much, like, when I was first yeah. watching it, is they would just spend, like, whole episodes explaining the philosophy of the world. Right, and like, which is great. <laughs> I get that a lot of people probably don't like to be, just have exposition spewed at them constantly. But, but when it it's good, well-written... way. Yeah. So there's this character, Zhang Zhang, who's like a former Fire Nation general who left because he saw the destruction that they were causing. And now he lives in seclusion and, you know, hides from the government. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then Aang, you know, finds him and just the whole episode, he's like explaining like, first you must learn earth and water. Water. Water is cool. cool It soothes. Steady air is like life giving and free. Like you must learn those things before you can even be. A rock will not move without you pushing it, but fire is alive. Mm -hmm. Oh man, it's so good and like it's such a good speech. And he does the wax on, wax off thing, but it's don't let the fire burn the leaf, which is right. It's I mean, it's just a total Miyagi move. It's a total Karate Kid move. It's so good. And and the scene where, you know, like, Zhang Zhang is initially refusing to teach Aang to firebend. Um, so then Aang sort of unknowingly goes into, like, the Avatar state and, like, 
freaking Roku shows up and it's this cool, like very mystical scene where they're being lit by like one candle and there's just like a, a tree yeah. in the corner and it's such beautiful imagery. I mean, uh, this is no spoiler. I, I hope I'm not spoiling this for you. Um, but, uh, you know, this scene is ripped straight from star Wars, the vampire strikes back. I believe that. So, I, I you mean, know, the I've scene where he's first meeting back. Yoda and yeah. Yoda is like, no, no, I cannot train you. He's too old, too old. Oh. Um, and then Obi-Wan appears and he's like, how old was I when you trained me? And, you know, it's literally like beat for beat is stolen for this scene where Roku is talking to John. It fucking works, though, man. Like, it absolutely like, works. I mean, and, and if you're going to steal, steal from the best, right? Steal from the best and and do it in a way that makes sense within your own work. And I think they totally do. Like, you don't need to know that it's a stolen scene for it to work, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like, like And I, I hope I didn't, like, ruin it for you. That's what oh, I meant. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. It's just been a very long time since I've watched, like, the original Star Wars. So I... For sure, for sure. <laughs> don't have that as, like, a ready touch point. Um, yeah, and, and I don't and think, I, I don't I think, think everybody this... even recognized it as a, you know, as a copy-paste. Because it is so true to the scene and true to the, totally. the spirit of the philosophy of, <laughs> of the show. Right. Um, and... I think this episode is really interesting in a lot of ways because we've already seen Zuko in previous episodes be um, really frustrated with how slow how well be frustrated with how slow his firebending training goes and he's always like teach me the next move the better move and like here we have Aang doing sort of the same thing and like learning a lesson because of it you know Um, right he needs to focus on his basics break and brute. Which, which again, I think it's just adding to the parallels that the show is drawing between Aang and Zuko, even if they're mm-hmm. not in the same episode together, which it, it's great. Um, and I also love this episode in retrospect, um, contrasted with um, when Aang actually does learn firebending later in season three, um, oh, which yeah. I won't talk about too much later, but it's a very different mentality from this Um and Absolutely. It's it's just really interesting to compare the two ways of sort of looking at firebending. Um, and, and yeah, I and it's all fact- just explained. It's all just like literally told to us verbatim the ph- like yeah. the philosophy and thinking about what is fire spiritually. Right. You know, in terms of story, what is fire? It burns, but it's power. But it's fun and it's light and it's magic, but it's it's also fierce and dangerous. Dangerous, yeah. And, and it's interesting because um, we learn in this, Aang burns Katara's hands on accident, um, but then we find out that Katara can actually use her waterbending to heal, um, which is sort of the first time we've seen, like, this ability come up. Um, right. And so, you know, like, Zhang Zhang has, like, a really nice little moment with Katara where he's like, I wish... I envy you. Like, yeah, like, I wish I was a waterbender. That seems dope as shit. I can only hurt things. Um, yeah. It's like, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like what I do when I, like, meet a black person and I'm like, oh, I wish I could be like you, you know, have the power to, uh, To be institutionally be oppressed. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch Get Out? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I watched Get Out. <laughs> Oh, oh my! You took the wrong message from that movie. I think. <laughs> um, jumping back to like the beginning of the episode, it starts yeah. out when they go to like a fire festival and they go in disguise and they buy some masks. And there's this mask gag that I think is just like quintessential Avatar humor, um, yeah. where you see them like Katara is standing in the middle of Sokka and Aang, and Aang's wearing like a really sad mask and. Uh, Sokka's wearing a really happy mask and then Katara just switches the masks and when you take the mask (laughs) off of each of their faces you see they've got the opposite facial expressions on and I'm just like that's such a great visual gag and I've never seen anything like it anywhere else it's so it's like it's not that particularly subtle but it's like it's quiet you know they don't go like out of it's a silent gag it's a visual totally visual gag it's it's great um so sort of the climax of this episode is when uh, Zhao basically finds out where Aang is, um, and he also wants to go capture Zhang Zhang, and it turns out yeah. that Zhang Zhang actually trained Zhao. Yeah, we um, get to learn some Zhao backstory, like which, which we don't get again until I think the finale. 
Um, yeah, and we find out that, you know, he was too impulsive, and that's why Zhang Zhang stopped training him. And yeah, so and we Hang, don't need to learn anything like he was right. secretly abused by his father, and <laughs> his, his father, you know, Brianna beat him, and brother. that's why he's a bad guy. Like, right. sometimes people are just ambitious are military fuckheads. Yeah, and they're in a society that rewards that, and so they yeah. continue to do it. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't need to be, a, like, a, a super redeemable character. He's yeah. just a military leader who's brutal and cruel and just a bastard man. Yeah. Zhao is a Aang, bastard man. He's a bastard. Um, Aang, Aang does a really fun, like, smart scene where he um, has Tricks Zhao him into using fire on his... Yeah, on his own ships. Ships. And... Um, you know, he gets to have this fun little smug moment where he's like, I defeated you without throwing a single punch. And like, Zhao well, it's just really a perfect example of episodic storytelling, right? Yeah. So he experiences a problem. That problem is going to remain with him for the next two seasons, basically. Um, and the way that he solves the problem of this episode is related to what he's learned from that. But it's not a total, like, you know, wiping of the slate clean. Yeah. Right. So it's it's just a a piling on of of learning lessons and also accumulating regrets and problems. Yeah. I I really like this episode. Um, I do always feel bad for the the sort of, like, other deserter freedom fighter guy who is sort of like (laughs) a shock shock disciple. (laughs) Who just sort of gets abandoned at the end and like... He's not really a disciple, he's just a fan. (laughs) Yeah, he's just like this weirdo who's like... I don't know why he talks the way he does too. He's just kind of like, oh, he's a rebel, man. Total legend. But he's not like a hippie exactly. He's like a... He kind of just sounds like like a Chicago socialist. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like he smokes a little bit of pot, but like not too much. He he smokes more cigarettes than pot. I feel like yeah, you know yeah. he just he like he just like chain houses. smokes outside of poetry bars. He writes a yeah. lot of zines. He writes zines, yeah. But anyway, he's just this guy, and then so Zhang Zhang disappears in like a puff of fire because he's mysterious and magical, and then this guy like gets back from going shopping or something. And everyone's gone. <laughs> Classic Avatar comedy. That's great. That's great. It's a good episode, um, and I'm looking forward to the whatever's coming next. Yeah, but what's pod. coming next right now oh. is uh, Korra Book Two, Spirits, mm-hmm. Spirits. So we did Book One David, was I'm air sorry. because um, David, I have a stomach ache. I can't do this. Um, you I can't do to, this. No, it's just I'm no. Gonna... We got it. So, it's a book two. It's a. Uh, <sighs> Every time I say book two, you're going to make a noise. No, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I've got it. <laughs> okay. So, you know, book one was air because, like, you know, that was the last element that she was going to do. And everybody thought it was going to be just one season and then one and done. And then you wouldn't have to come up with more things on top of it. So it goes air and then book two, spirits. Uh, yeah, you don't have to say it every time. <laughs> It's spirits. Um, there's the spirit world, because Korra can, like, do that shit now. And then, like, we just... Ugh, I just... I feel like... I can't tell if Korra just has no characterization, and that's why they just, like, let her have opposite opinions from previous opinions at, like, the drop of a hat. Or if it's, like this like subtle misogyny where it's like i don't know she's just like an impulsive lady like lady avatars are just you can't trust them they're just too emotional i'm gonna go ahead and not answer that question and add on another question which is um you know is she regressing from like her character development from season one or did she just not develop at all in season one and they just had the illusion of her having any growth at all Yes, I think it's more that one. I think it's it's she didn't actually. Because I remember when I first watched this season that that I was like, oh, Cora like 
has completely lost any development that she had from the previous season. I mean, she admitted that she loves Mako and she, you know, masters her spirituality and her bending. Um, and she learns to respect Tenzin more as like a teacher and form sort of a bond with him. And then like all of that is thrown out the window in this season. But now that I'm like rewatching book one, I think maybe I just like read that into the script. And what really happened was, Cora learned nothing and grew not at all the entire season and then cried and got everything she wanted. Yeah. Which makes season two a perfect follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, she's so does. demanding it, it and so petulant. Demanding. Such a child. She's, like, such a fucking child. And, like, I don't know. It's, I can't tell. Me, I, am I just confused? Is Cora's dad the chief? Of the yeah. southern tribe, was yeah, she was. It was always the chief? the chief. He was always the I, chief. I feel like I missed that in season one. Nope. <laughs> that was always <laughs> like, there. Like they were living in a fucking hut, like when the wise men came. I yeah, don't but know. it's the it's, south. Everyone in the south is in a hut. In a hut. Yeah, but the, like the thing that comes out of not. nowhere is this like festival of lights or whatever. Yeah, like that's fucking out of nowhere. There was no indication that this was hall. even a functioning society. Right, but, like, also it doesn't really make any sense if, like, her dad is also from the North, why he's suddenly the chief of the South. Like Because he's from royal blood and he's banished from the North? No, it makes sense. Yeah, but, but that's not how that works. No, it, no, it is, because he wasn't banished and, like, stripped of his title and rank and but everything. But, like, why he is was... he given control of those? It's like Game of Thrones, you know. Like if you if they kicked like Tyrion out of the tower, but like, but, like you know, didn't have him wasn't united in that way before in the Avatar. Like it was there was the Southern Tribe. Well, and that's the, the whole thing tribe. is that like the Southern Tribe was like in chaos because all of the Waterbenders have been kidnapped and murdered, and all yeah. of the uh, men were off fighting the war, and half of them got killed in the war. Yeah. So it's like a just a like a dead tribe. I think in one of the comics they address this, and um, Master Paku like goes down and is like, "We're going to reunite our tribes," and blah blah blah. You know, like it's been seventy years. Like I'll buy that they've established some sort of new tribal independent government thing. Right? They just like don't really explain it at all, and maybe they don't actually need to. But yeah, I wasn't bothered how- by that. I don't know, just for, like, how fucking involved it kind of gets later, I it I just am like, I don't understand. <laughs> I feel lost, and yeah. none of this is interesting enough to bring me back in and, like, forget about that lost feeling. But you know what is interesting? Abusive uh, relationships? Well, I was going to say Jaws. The movie Jaws. Jaws. Oh, yeah. The, you remember how this episode opens? It's like they're on a pirate ship and, like, the guy's going, like, you ever see a spirit? It's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eyes. Oh, my and God. Then... <laughs> it's like Jaws, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, like, a weird opening. Like, well, there's, a, like, a super fast recap, and we learn that there's, like, a, a president of Republic City, and that Boomy's retiring, even though Boomy did, like, <laughs> jack shit in the previous season. Yeah, Boomy season. didn't do none. So we're kind of like, okay, I don't give a shit. Um, but I guess he's gonna, like, hang out with Tenzin and the crew now. And then Korra, like, fires Tenzin as her, like, spiritual advisor because she's got a cool uncle now who is just, like, flattering her. Like, she's so susceptible to flattery. It's, like, so bad. She's a child. so bad. She's a child. She's so much more of a child than Aang ever was. Like, Aang was childish but mature. She's, like, an adult but an absolute baby. Right. Now, easily the dumbest thing about the season time skip easily yeah. is Mako is a cop. Yes, that is very dumb. Mak Makop. Also, like Bolin's just kind of doing pro bending uh, by himself, I guess. That's fine. I mean, that's what he's. That's what he does. He's a pro that bender. That's what he does. Yeah. I mean, I buy that a hundred percent. What I don't buy is Mako now is a cop 
He's gone through basic training, and he says he might make detective soon. This guy is 18 years old? Is that... Yeah. And he now he's a cop. He's, he's just after really being like a, being a known cop, criminal David. on the streets and then being like a sports star, he just becomes a cop. Yeah. Just it's fucking dumb. it's so weird. It doesn't make any sense for his character. It doesn't no. it's not something he's expressed interest in. He doesn't have like a connection with uh, the chief. Like it's not like he was like really close with Chief Bayfong no, in like but, the last like, season. It, his girlfriend fucking restored her bending, so, uh, there's that. Uh, yeah. And then there's, like, you know, he works down at the precinct, and there's, you know, some, some donut-eating cops there, too. And he's got, I got, there's some dirty cops in this precinct, I gotta make detective. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> it's dumb. Um, there's also some, like, capitalist bullshit where, like... Asami is trying to get funding for something I forget what and her it, her business is struggling because it turned out that the CEO of the corporation was a terrorist. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. But like she's like I'm going to turn it around with this new invention, but I forget what the invention was or like with this new training Planes, idea. Yeah. Boats. It's, it's like Who something. Who It's boring. She's got to get the funding um, and that's how we introduce probably my favorite Thing in this entire season, which I do like some things in season two. You like as Varric? gross as that is. Varric is the one I like. John the Michael Vanderbilt. Higgins plays a. It's I, I guess it's kind it's of bombastic. Vanderbilt. It's sorry. He's very bombastic in the role. Well, he's doing he's doing um, Howard Hughes. That's who it, who it really is. It's mm. it's it's Howard Hughes, um, and like that character should be bombastic. Right. Um, and this character is funnier than anything in season one, more oh, complicated sure. than anything in season two, you know, even he's, though he's in season two. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm saying he's the most interesting, part. complex thing in season two. He's, yeah. he's got depth. He's got complexity. He's There's cartoony. He's, he's funny. He's more than one dimensional. Yeah, and, like, there'll be points where I will say, like, fuck Varric, you know, this is the worst, yeah. why why are they doing this to me? But that's really more the, the problem of pacing later on, it doesn't really that's, have anything to do with him. It's, it's, it's to do with pacing and with some, like, minor plot contrivances, but, like... Oh, yeah, I mean, once we get to season four, I mean, then it's no holds well, barred, fuck Varric, I hate this. <laughs> but season two Varric, man, that's where it's at. Yeah, um, yeah. He's a. Uh, he's got yeah, an assistant he's named Julie, and he tells her to do the thing, and so that's a joke. Yeah, I don't like catchphrases. That's not what I like about him. What I, know, I like about him is something thing. like he's he says like, "Do you see that? I'm levitating," and then Bolin's like, "No, you're not. You're not levitating." And then he's like, "You speak the truth, kid. I gotta keep you by my side." <laughs> he's a lovable rube who speaks the truth. And he's, I he's like, like you that. know, he's surrounded by sycophants. Like, I, I do kind of like the relationship between Bolin and Beric. I will say that. It like, works. Bolin. It's a is, decent use of your at, Bolin. For sure. Who's a dumb, dumb idiot. And, like, the yeah. only way to make him work is put him with a smart idiot. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about, like, the story of this season? The, the plot sure. of the season? Go ahead. Uh, so it's they're setting up this thing where there's evil spirits attacking, and this is just sort of like an environmental disaster um, that's being like presented. Captain um, and Planet. Yeah, it's it's Captain Planet, but like uh, it's an environmental disaster that's being used by like a religious figure to try and establish a, an old form of religious theocracy in the south um and also as a way to sort of tyrannically take the south and make it part of the north um because you know they're you know their tribes are separate they're ununified but also they like their independence because they have different ways of life um this is all real complicated yep and also really interesting like 
This is a good setup. It's it's a decent setup. I, I think it's I think it's an characters. excellent setup. Like if if you gave me this as like your log a line, synopsis. yeah, yeah, I would be so excited. Um, you know, it's it like it's progress versus tradition. It's religious fundamentalism versus modernism and freedom. It's nature versus society. It's brother versus brother. It's duty versus family. It's it's two like, giant it's, spirit monsters punching each other. No, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Because <laughs> that's, that's what it oh, into. No. oh no! That's oh the thing, no! David, like it's this great setup, but that's the fucking climax. Like, spoiler alert! <laughs> I know you have to keep that in mind all the time, but I just want to point. I want to give credit where credit okay. is due. Okay. They had a really solid beginning, a really solid setup, and they just didn't know where great. to go with it. It could have been, been great. great. Um. <laughs> Season two. Uh, but but you know, for now I'm happy because there's interesting stuff going on. You know, I, I have to say, I, like, yeah, there's interesting stuff going on. But like, I feel like waterbenders are just like suddenly so op in this show. Like they're like so. It's not powerful. sudden. They can, but like. It feels way more out of balance than it did in Avatar, you know? Like, well, I mean, they, here's the thing. So, like, it's waterbenders and earthbenders who have really just, you know, they just go really far. And then they try to pretend, like, airbenders are, like, powerful. But, like, I guess they can just push anything, which makes that, that's pretty versatile. Like, you can push a rock with air. You can also push water with air. But, you know, air is air. Fire is fire, but water is water, ice, spirit, uh, like, healing. But, spirit? Like, that's the thing. It just feels well, like I think spirit. the point is just that he's actually doing sort of, like, a spell. Like, he's not, it's not just bending. He's, like, yeah, taming like, the beast by, like, flexing this water in, like, a hypnotic way. I just, like, don't love it. And I don't love the fact that, like, kind of anyone can just, like, learn to do it, you know? like. Also, isn't the isn't the point that it's a trick anyway, that, like, the yes. dark spirits are really on his side? Yes. That's okay, so true. then it's not a big deal. But I like, actually forgot Spirit about bending that with until... water bending never actually works. <laughs> okay, that's true. I literally forgot about that until this moment. Um, this yeah, is a little, but, I, I don't remember a ton about this season. Sure, sure. We'll um, get there. We'll get there. We'll I mean, there. but here's the thing also is that, like, Cora tries to use it in book three, too, but it also fails miserably. Yes. <laughs> so I think it maybe just doesn't work. It's just sparkly water magic. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> it's just, there's a lot of that. Um, I don't know. Do you want to say yeah. one more good thing and then I'll say another bad thing? <laughs> Yeah, I I do think that it's it's a good dynamic the the whole like Cora picking her teacher and you know whether she has to follow her teacher's, you know, lessons when her teacher is not, you know, giving her everything that she needs or that she feels like she needs, whether she should trust her uncle, you know, those kind of things. I think that works. What I do you think? Dis- disagree. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um it just feels really petulant and like wish like waffling like okay. in the worst way. It doesn't feel earned or motivated. I don't understand why she's having all of these doubts about Tenzin or her dad. Like we we don't really see her parents at all in the first season. So like yeah, all of a sudden I mean I think tone this, like, wise teenage angst that's kind of coming out of nowhere and it's like right. well fuck you dad I'm gonna hang out with your cool brother bye and it's just like right why? I think the tone is off and like the dialogue is off but I do get like from a logical perspective like why she would want to switch teachers at this point I mean she's sure. already learned airbending she no longer needs an airbending teacher and as far as spirituality um you know Tenzin did not actually do that much for her and never really found a way to connect uh spiritually with her um and you know she thinks that maybe by going with family she might be able to discover something new and and like you said flattery goes a long way with her um it seems like Unalak the the name of the uncle bad uncle bad uncle um (laughs) 
he, you know, he flatters her. So, I, I mean, that makes yeah. sense to me, at least from a yeah. logic perspective. But um, the tone is off, you're right. Also, we'd be, we'd be remiss not to mention two pretty weird characters um, who are Cora's cousins, Desna Oof. and Esna or whatever it is. Eska. Edna and Medna. Eska and Desna or something like that. Um, Binga anyway, and Bongo. They look really similar, but one's a girl played by Aubrey Plaza, and she has an abusive relationship with Bolin that's played for laughs, and it sucks. Um, the not also, funny just keeps going. Yeah. Also, it's Cora, unfunny as all hell. Like the shipping in the show is unwatchable. Like Cora and Mako have zero chemistry. They just like bicker with each other all the time. Like it's so unhealthy for both of them because they're both clearly so unhappy and want to be doing other things, but they're like, "But I love you." <laughs> and it's like, now. Yeah, Mako's like kind of trying, which I feel like I should give him credit for that. And Cora's totally. just not trying at all. No, she's not trying. She's trying zero percent. And it's just being like a weird waffly bitch. Like that's she's like, how can you not support me in my decision? And like Mako's like, well, I mean, because it's like an objectively terrible decision. (laughs) Yeah, and she's like, you don't love me. And he's like, (laughs) what? Sorry. Excuse me. I'm a cop. I'm. I've got cop (laughs) things to deal with. Why is he a cop? I don't know. Uh, but let's talk about episode two, which is called The Southern Lights. And this is the one where we get the backstory of Cora's dad and all the shit that he did up in the north that was not great. Yeah, I think this is good setup. And I think it, it, it's a good contrast with the last season and how they did, like, bad exposition about the past. Yeah. I mean, I we just got better. done last week, we or last time we talked about, like, Tarlock's awful exposition that goes on forever about him and Amon. Um, and then this time it's just like a quick thing. It's told very like storybook like where it's yep. like once upon a time, Cora's dad fucked up and everybody <laughs> almost died from spirit poisoning. Yeah. And so we got kicked out of town. It's, I don't know. It's interesting though. Cause like, uh, it, it opens with this like banquet hall feast where Unalak is making this speech. Um, and he's like, you Southerners have brought darkness upon yourselves, and it's time to basically make the South Pole great again. <laughs> and like, oh, yeah, I mean, way. it's really setting up this civil war thing, which I think is yeah. so cool. It's um, cool, but it's it doesn't, doesn't go, go anywhere, anywhere. But it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, um, I will say. So, sort of like the the B plot for this season is Tenzin and Fam are going on a vacation. Um, <laughs> they, they, they go to like this air temple and like, it, yeah, I like Boomy like, and Kaya. What do you I think? Do. I, I like them so far. I feel like I learned to hate them later, but I like them so far. Maybe. Um, I mean, Boomy Kaya definitely like totally can, cannot shocking. possibly maintain this level of energy for long without becoming annoying. Yeah. But like. For now, he's an interesting Kaya, contrast with Tenzin, and, and totally. they get to play off each other, and, and they do feel like brothers, you know? Right, like, like I like their sibling dynamic, when they're being yeah. siblings and dealing with each other. I think that works. Um, Kaya gets criminally shortchanged the entire series, and basically... Well, she's, like, got middle her. child syndrome, I mean, Yeah, but it just, like, know. blows. It blows? That she has such hardcore middle child system, especially considering, like... You, you've got a potentially cool female character to do something with, and they just, like, don't. She bends sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, it's just, she like, it, like, she's it. old and just doesn't really, it, like... I mean, not, like, boring. old, old, but... No, she's, she's just, old. like, she's on vacation. Hair. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, we'll, we'll get more into that later, but, but they go to she's this, not um... Ineffectual, she's just on vacation. <laughs> all right, all right. Later, she's ineffectual when she's not on vacation. All right. Maybe. Um, but they go to this, like, air temple, and, like, the... I, I, I'm referring to them as the air weebs. Um, <laughs> I think they're called they're, acolytes. Yeah, but they're just fucking weebs for airbending. Like, they... Air they, weebs. It's not their culture. They don't really understand it, but they're, like, super into it, and, like, are obsessed with the, the airbending fam. But then they're, like... They find out that... uh 
Boomy and Kaya are there and they're like, oh my god, are you guys airbenders too? And they're like, no. And then they proceed to just like ignore them like they're hot garbage. And I'm like, okay. You guys yeah, they say suck. we thought you were the servants. Right. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Um, yeah, yeah so I think I that's kind of that, funny and, and it does kind of make sense for the world. It's a good, it's a good piece of world building, I think. Yeah, I, it, it was fine. It was funny. It was amusing. It's, it's whatever. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of this episode is about, they, like, the gang consisting of Cora, her dad, and Unalak, um, the twins, Bolin, and Mako. Is that everybody who goes out on this little expedition? I it's a bunch of going. fucking people that don't all need to be there. They're just going to the, s- to the to southern the portal. Is that what it is? Well, the, yeah, they're trying to see, like, what's going on at the portal because all these spirits are crossing over. And then Unalak is like, I want you to open the portal. And make the southern lights just like the northern lights. Which, like, is a fun bit of world building, but, like, also... Yeah. Meh. Um, I, don't, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't think there's anything mad about it. The portals is the, the thing I take issue with. Because yeah. the spirit world has is going to get super fucking westernized in yeah. this version i don't like do (laughs) do indigenous tribes have concepts of portals i have no idea but i I would assume from the original series no because like the way that ang gets into the spirit world in the north pole in the original series is he just like meditates a lot and then like yeah i mean it's it's supposed to be another plane of existence it's not something that you walk into by you know Typing in the magic code into the, you know, door frame and right. like or kicking it in. Or ripping open violently or like knocking even. You it's know? not a dimensional gate where we got to measure the, the Einstein-Rosen bridge of the gateway to the Get fucking... The, the midichlorians in the Avatar's blood. The midichlorians are here now and I don't like it. Um, it's now a physical realm and all the spirits look like ghost monsters instead of just yeah. looking like, you know, spirits. in the original, you know, you remember like the, the, yeah, like the black and white spirit was so interesting. It had like these big arms coming out of its head, right. but then also it was, a, it was panda like a panda sometimes panda. and you it know, moved like, weird. It was like, it, it yeah. kind of moved like jittery jittery and yeah there was a lot of interesting stuff going on in the designs of the spirits in in book one now it's like they're fucking ben 10 villains in this one yeah kind of a little bit ben 10 um they're they're basically just like goo monsters they're monster goo they're they're like nothing um but we, we basically find out that there's this crazy thing in the south called the everstorm that's just, like, this fucking <laughs> blizzard that rages forever. And, like, forever. I, want an a- I want an Avatar-inspired rock band that's just called The Everstorm. Ugh, or or Everstorm so or something. It's so Everstorm good. is the lamest thing. It's so fucking goofy for a show that's trying. It's, like, begging to be taken seriously. And Take it's like, me seriously. The Everstorm. And it's like, okay, well, never mind. <laughs> Um, it's just dumb. It's like and, Jupiter. And you know how Jupiter has a forever storm? Yeah. That's on Earth. Like that. Um, we also find out that, like, you know, Cora, Cora's dad did, like, a crazy thing where he destroyed a whole forest somehow accidentally, which seems hard Yeah, he to flooded do. a forest to get rid of barbarians, which I love that there's barbarians in this I world. Know. I'm sorry. Where are they from? So weird um, and random. It's extremely random. But so by flooding this sacred ground, a bunch of spirits attacked and killed everybody, and that's why he got banished to the South yeah. Pole. But um, then to we rule also the South Pole instead. Just like a weird fucking spirit xenophobe anyway, and is like, fuck spirits, I hate them. <laughs> well they they did kill a lot of his village, so Yeah, but but like, you know, if it's Cora's job to like be the bridge of course she's not going to take kindly to that kind of talk, you know. Yeah, but maybe maybe like like many avatar before her, uh she could decide that the way to create balance between the spirit world and the real world is to keep them, you know, separate and make sure that they don't uh encroach on each other's, you know, sacred ground. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, or but... she could bust that shit open. <laughs> crack it like a Boom. Snapple cap. <laughs> that is one way to fucking put it. Um, <laughs> she certainly pops that 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 portal. Popping portals. Um, yeah. She's so bad in this episode. She's just so <laughs> untrusting of everything and so insecure and so quick to jump to conclusions. And like You kept me locked away for years. And like You never let <laughs> Literally just never listens to people or lets them finish talking. Like she's just like yeah. bad, you know? It's, <sighs> it's gonna be a major problem, is that um, Cora has never been up until this point, relatable or likable in any way. I was never rooting for her in season one either. Yeah, no. I, I rooted for the the fire ferrets to win a couple matches, I guess. Right. Um, and I, I, I was rooting against Amon. I rooted for her for about like ten minutes in the first episode, but then pretty much gave up on that oh, yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and now I just I have no ability to root for her is the problem. No. But I mean, um, but the, but the, the, the politics, man. This is like Game of Thrones, man. There's it's Game of Thrones. It is. It's Game of Thrones. It's uh, uh, I don't know what our other shit with politics. It's, politics uh, shows. Captain America: Civil War. It's, it's Civil sure. War. Get it? There's it's politics it. here. You can, yeah. you know, they have the ability here to. You know, make a real two-sided conflict where no one is quite in the right. Because at the end of the episode, you find out that it wasn't just about opening up the spirit portal. It was about unifying the two sides physically, politically, and spiritually. And so now there's a huge uh, armada of of water nation or water tribe ships coming to take over. Yeah. Coming to occupy the south. And that's where it leaves off. And it's crazy, and we'll find out more. And I honestly do forget a lot about what happens this season. But we'll beyond... find out together. We'll find out together. Um, um, you... the one thing before we go, there was a yeah. line that I thought was just kind of sums up what's going to, you know, the, the fatal flaw with this season, which is um, Onalok says something along the lines of, there are no evil spirits. All spirits have a light side and a dark side. But when they're out of balance, <sighs> the darkness takes over, so they become evil. Yeah. So we're trying to pretend like this is about balance, and this is about there is no, you know, divide between good and evil, and yet there's yep, there a dark is. side, and the dark side bad, and we have to yep. kill the dark side to save the good light side. Yep. It's, we'll get there. It's coming. It's dumb and bad and, uh... We'll, we'll get there. Um, if you guys enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, you can tweet us at Talking Tropes on Twitter. We'd love to chat with you. Um, you can also reach us on our Patreon, which is also at Talking Tropes. Yeah, or you can just like call us. You know. Yeah, like give us a call. <laughs> just like give I us guess. a call on the phone. What phone? The phone. You know, the phone. There's only one phone. There's only ever been one phone. And it's the one we're phoning in. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. We that's will, Cora, bro. That's Cora. We'll talk to you later. Or, well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk at you later. Bye-bye. Talk at you.